Hey everybody, welcome to the New Market Alliance Church podcast, where you're invited to not just attend church or watch church, or in this case, listen to church, but actually go and be the church. For everything you need to know about our community, be sure to go to newmarketalliance.ca and maybe even drop us a line to let us know you're listening. We read everything you send and we'll be sure to get back to you. Our worship service happens every Sunday at 10 a.m. in person or streaming online. We want you to know you absolutely matter to God and you absolutely matter to us. Everyone is welcome and wanted. Now, let's join today's teaching. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for welcoming me. And um, I've been coming to NAC in and out the last few months. And I think you guys want to know the story of how I got here. Like there's a program in the CMMA called Envision where they help pastors who are trying to figure out what the next steps are. And so I've been part of that. And I met David there from the CMMA. He says, oh, I should connect with NAC. And so that's how I found myself in here, I've been coming in and out, and everyone's been so welcoming, and I just want to thank people. Um, you guys are so friendly. You guys are a big church to me, uh, but you guys really feel small and, and tight-knit, and I really enjoy that about NAC. So thank you. I met Jonathan here and there. Um, I'm trying to figure out why he asked me to share. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I think he wants a day off, maybe. Uh, but maybe he does like me. There's something about me that he likes, and he wanted me to like, share stuff that God's been putting in my heart uh, with the rest of the church. So I just want to share stuff that God's been teaching me, and I hope this will be an encouragement for all of us um, as well. And um, yeah, I, I, I just want to start with Scripture, because uh, that's, that's how I do it. So we have Scripture today from um, Luke chapter 10. And uh, can we have it up on screen? Okay, so as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So this morning, I just want to begin with this question. What is the condition of your heart today? What is the condition of your heart today? Does it have a desire to worship Jesus? You know, we're all human beings. We go through life with ups and downs. You know, things pull us up this way. Things pull at us that way. And our love for Jesus isn't always the same. There are times where we feel really close to him. Other times we don't feel as close. We're not aware of his love and presence at other times. But most of the times we feel like We're under the tyranny of our circumstances, right? But Jesus says, drink from me. He says that to the woman at the well. He says, drink from me. The water that you want from the well is not going to satisfy you, but he says, drink from me. And then the water will be filled inside of you, so full that it will burst up. Life, eternal life will burst up into heaven. That's eternal life. That's what it means to have Jesus inside of us. But sometimes we think eternal life is something we experience much, much later, but not here right now. 
But Jesus says, everyone who believes in me will have eternal life. That's what it means to be born again. We talked about that two weeks ago. To be born again is to experience a different way of living. Eternal life happens now. It is a different quality of existence that is possible right now. You don't wait until you're dead to experience that. It is something that we want to experience right now. The new life that you now live is meant to be joyful and life-giving. But the truth is, we don't know how to consistently have a vibrant life with Christ. We are often under the tyranny of our circumstances. We're pulled this way and that way, and we're doing this and that, and then Jesus becomes an afterthought in all the things that we need to worry about and take care of. So today, the topic I want to share with you guys is cultivating a heart of worship. How can you cultivate a habit of your heart where you're regularly and joyfully living with love for Jesus? How can we develop a habit that gives us joyful obedience in a lifestyle of worship and devotion? And we're going to learn from the two sisters today from the Bible, right? We'll often see them as, you know, against each other. They're pitted against each other, but we think one is better than the other, But both sisters could come together and they give us a complete picture of what a vibrant Christian life is. So who are these two sisters and what can we learn from them? Okay, so the first one we meet is Martha, right? Verse 38 says, Jesus and his disciples were on their way and he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Okay, we have to see something wonderful happening here. Martha is opening her home to Jesus. Okay, she's cooking him a hearty meal. She's practicing good old Middle Eastern hospitality. This is a really good thing. We have to see it that way. Okay, the other sister is Mary. Verse 39, Martha had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Mary is honoring Jesus as well. She's sitting at his feet, spending time with him, listening. This is a picture of a disciple, a picture of a student, of a pupil, listening and honoring her master. So both Martha and Mary here are honoring Jesus. They're both doing something good. They both have very good intentions to love Jesus and to take care of him. And we need to be careful not to favor one over the other. And I think there's a tendency for us to do that, right? The picture that we saw earlier, we saw Mary sitting by Jesus' feet, and she looks so pure and holy and perfect sitting at Jesus' feet. And then Martha is not even in the picture. We forget about Martha, right? But we could learn something from Martha, What can we learn from Martha? Sometimes we dismiss her, who she is, the things and the values that she brings, but Martha is important. Martha is honoring Jesus by opening up her home to Jesus. And you notice from verse 38, it says that Jesus and his disciples were traveling. Okay, Jesus and his disciples were traveling. We could keep the verses up. It's okay, yeah. Jesus and his disciples were traveling, but where were they traveling? Right? Where were they going? If we step back from the story and we see the Gospel of Luke, we would see that this whole section, um, chapters 9, 10, 11, 12, all the way to 19, is Jesus is traveling all over the place. 
But this started back in chapter nine, okay? And when Jesus figured out that he was, a, you know, he said he's, people realized he's the son of God. And that because of that, he knew he had to die on the cross. And the disciples figured this out. And as soon as he knew this, and they knew this, they said, now we are going to Jerusalem. We, were, we have to go to Jerusalem because that's where Jesus' destiny was. That was his purpose. And so Jesus says, you know what? We have to go through Samaria. And, you know, but before I get to Samaria, I'm going to send the disciples out. Go, go to Samaria, go to the homes, and find and see if people, that whether we will have a place to stay tonight. Okay, so the disciples go, and they come back. And guess what they told Jesus? They said, no one in Samaria opened their homes to him. No one welcomed him over there. You know, disciples, they say, you know what, Jesus, don't worry, don't worry. We're still going to follow you. We're going to follow you. And Jesus, are you sure you want to follow me? Are you sure about that? And he says this line. He goes, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of God has no place to lay their head. And so we have a picture here that Luke paints us. Jesus is traveling. Jesus has no place to lay his head. This is a picture of Jesus being homeless. Later on, Jesus tells a story of a parable. He says, the the priests and the Levites, they were worshiping at the temple and they were walking down the road and they just walked past the person who was beaten up, left for dead. They were worshiping, but they just left their neighbor right there. But the Samaritan was the one who stopped everything, took this person, brought it to an inn, made sure he was nursed to health, and paid for everything. And so Jesus here was criticizing a way of worship, a way of worshiping that's not real, not true. Okay, And he was actually praising a radical kind of hospitality. This Samaritan story is the story just before Martha and Mary. How do we love our neighbors? Jesus says, go and do likewise. Do what the Samaritan did. And then we have Jesus and his disciples were on their way and he came to this village and Martha opened her home to him. This is significant. This is important that we notice. Martha opening her home, hospitality with Jesus is something that all of us could cultivate in our lives. Hospitality as love and service for other people to take care of them. Okay, but hospitality, it starts, it begins with hospitality in our hearts. Have you opened the door of your heart to Jesus? In Revelations, Jesus says this, Behold, I stand and knock. If anyone hears my voice and open the door, I will come to him and dine with him and he with me. And so we see here Jesus not barging in, but he's waiting for an invitation, an open door for him to come inside. And he wants to have intimate fellowship with us, loving ministry with us, dining with us. He honors you by coming into your life. He honors you by coming into your life. And it's just natural for us to want to honor him back. We, we want to do that. We want to honor him back with love. But all of us, like Mary, we have these good intentions, right? We want to do all these good things for Jesus. But somehow when we are, you know, running around doing all these good things for him, trouble 
always somehow springs up. And that's what we see happening to Martha. She was trying to love Jesus, but what happens? Verse 40, it says this, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that she had to make. She came to him, to Jesus, and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And so the word distracted here is meaning that she's being pulled away. She lost focus. She forgot the why, the why of her doing, the why of her activities. She became anxious, worried about many things. She was exasperated, being pulled here. Maybe the soup was boiling over. Maybe the chicken was burnt. And then she goes, Jesus, don't you care that I'm all by myself to do all this work? So she felt alone, abandoned, even by Jesus. And I think we could all relate to Martha. How many times have we felt alone and abandoned? How many times have we experienced trying to do the right thing, but only to end up with frustration and anger in our hearts? You know, while preparing for today, I'm praying about, like, who can I talk to today? You know, we're, maybe some of us are trying to help people. We're trying to take care of them. Maybe there's mothers here who feel like they're doing so much around the house, trying to take care of the kids, make them a meal, drive them around, but there's, there's like bitterness, resentment, anger inside, even while we're trying to do these things. Maybe you're trying to have a good time with your kids. You're trying to you know, have a, go, go on a good date with your daughter or, or son, just spend some time there. But when we try to do these built these good times together, we end up suddenly blowing up, having fights, heated words of exchange, angry words. Why is it that when we're trying to do good things, frustration and anger often creeps up? This is a pattern that Paul talks about. Okay, Paul says, whenever he was trying to do good, evil was right there with him. And Paul calls this the flesh. Okay, the flesh is the part of us that loses faith that God is with us. It's the part of us that believes we are alone, the part of us that believes that we have to take care of ourselves and do everything by ourselves, that God is not with us. It's up to me to make something happen. The part that just deep down inside believes it's all up to me. And the more we believe this, the more we go and try to make something happen. And then we end up in this cycle going downward, downward of self-pity and anger and despair. We become more resentful the more we do these things. So, you know, I've been pastoring. I was pastoring before. And I went into pastoring with the purest and best intentions. Genuine love for the church. And as days went on, the months went on, the years went on, I found myself not in a good place. I was drained. I was tired. I was sad. And one day I found myself in the hospital, diagnosed with leukemia. And before the chart starts treatment, you have to like, you know, sign your life away. You decide where does your stuff go? Who gets to decide what happens to you? And so I was there faced with the prospect of what my life was about. 
And as a preacher, I often preach, it's so good to be with Jesus. It's a wonderful thing to be with Jesus. But here I am with the reality that I was going to, I might be seeing Jesus face to face. And I imagined myself seeing him face to face. And I realized at that moment, I could not look Jesus in the eye and say, say, say yes to his question. He's going to ask me, did I love him with all my heart, my soul, and my mind? And I knew I couldn't say yes honestly to that question. And did I love people the way he wanted me to love them? And I knew I couldn't say yes honestly to that question. And so there I was trying to make sense of what am I to make of my life? And weeks after in the hospital, I'm just reading the scriptures and then one line just stood out to me. And this line is from a song. You know, I sang it over and over, but you know, it just never clicked. But today, that day, when I read it, it just jumped out to me. It's a psalm, sorry, a verse from the Psalms, and it says this. It says, your your love, God's love, is better than life itself. God's love is better than life itself. And as soon as I read those words, it just jumped out at me. And then I realized at that moment, no matter what happened to me, what's going to take me from this life to the next life is just God's love. It was just his love. And that's when I realized there is a way of living. There's a way of living that's not worth it. It's just not worth it. There's a way of living that's not worth it. But the life that is worth it is the one where we live with God's love. What's the point of all the work that we do if we don't know why of our being here? And we're here so that we could do everything with Jesus by our side. But not with Jesus by our side, but with joy and gratitude in our hearts while doing it. That's what we were made for, to have Jesus by our side and have joy and love and gratitude in our hearts while we're doing it. And I think all of us, we can sympathize with Martha. Like Martha, we get distracted. We lose touch with God's love for us. We can stop listening to God and we somehow stop enjoying his presence. We feel alone to do all the work and we do all of this as if God doesn't even exist. He's just an afterthought. Okay, but I think we look back at the scriptures, we could see what's happening and we could see that Martha, even though she's doing all the stuff that she's doing, Jesus was right there in the room with her. She's teaching Mary, but I believe Martha could still hear. Martha could still hear Jesus while doing her work if she wanted to. So Jesus' voice was audible in the other room. So it's possible for Martha to do the work and still hear Jesus in the midst of it. So I don't know what people are going through today. I don't know where you are, but I just want to encourage you guys that Jesus hasn't left you. Whatever for you right now is falling apart. Maybe it's a relationship, maybe there's sickness, maybe it's job, whatever it is that you feel is falling apart, Jesus hasn't left you. And it's times like that, that it's not for us to like try to do more, try to make something happen, but maybe it's a sign for us, perhaps pausing, learning that what's mattering most right now is to reconnect with Jesus. Sometimes the simple, quiet work of prayer, it seems like nothing's happening, 
Like that's opposite of everything your flesh is telling you that you should be doing. But I think it is in those times that we need to reconnect with him. It is in those prayer where it seems like nothing is happening. That's where everything is going on in those times of prayer with Jesus. Jesus says, apart from me, you could do nothing. I don't know why we would venture out to try to do anything without Jesus. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. So learn to walk and do life with Jesus in everything that you do. Don't go to him only when the soup is overboiling, when the chicken is burnt. Not go to him when you tried everything on your own, you can't do it anymore, right? But learn to walk with him with his guidance in everything. He's in the room, okay? He's in the room with you. Whatever you're doing, you can still hear him. He's inside of you. He's in your heart. You can hear him. Slow down a little bit and listen to him. He's always speaking. In our frantic running around, we miss what he's saying, Okay, Jesus, or God, something speaks to us. It's like a pebble that we throw in a pond. You know, when the pond is still, when a pebble falls in, it's like a ripple effect. And we see the beautiful ripples happening. But if the water is, you know, running around, going crazy, you throw a pebble in, you don't see the ripples. That's how God speaks to us. Little pebbles that he drops in, if we're still, we will be able to hear his voice. We need to learn that when things are stripped away, it is those times that we can hear God. Martha, Martha, the Lord says, you're worried and upset about many things, but a few things are needed and only one. Mary has chose what is better and it won't be taken away from her. So Mary reminds us that we somehow need to reconnect back to Jesus. Mary reminds us that to be humble, we need to humble ourselves, sit at, her, sit at Jesus' feet. That's the one thing that we need. And we notice that Jesus says, Martha, Martha, okay? Jesus is not criticizing Martha here. She's not, he's not rebuking her. It's compassion. Jesus has so much compassion on Martha. It goes, Martha, Martha. It's a gentle reminder to her. Be still and know that everything you need right now is here with me. Listen for my words. It will transform you. It will make you new. It will give you peace. And what we learn from Mary is this. We need somehow a way of strategy, a way of understanding, a way of putting into practice our ability to stop and listen. Mary chose this. Right? Says, Jesus says, Mary chose this. It won't be taken away from her. Mary chose to do this, to sit at the feet of Jesus. So how do we choose this? How can we choose to sit at Jesus' feet? And the way I think we could do this is we need to learn how to develop a rhythm. Okay? After, you know, I, I finished my treatment. By the way, I'm okay. Thank God. I'm okay now. I'm back to ministry. I return to ministry. But I know coming back to doing ministry, I had to do things differently. The old way wasn't working. The frantic running around, the tiring out, the anxiety, the stress, that wasn't working. I needed a different way of being, 
of finding closeness with God, intimacy with him, not this frantic running around anymore. And so the verse, it says in the Bible, it says, be joyful always, pray continuously, give thanks in all circumstances. This is the will of God for your life. Like, where was my joy? Was I praying all the time? Right? Christians, we're, we're meant to be characterized with joyful love. So the question became, how do I consistently experience Christ's presence and love? How do I do that? How do I consistently experience Christ's presence and love? And the answer, I believe, is a rhythm. You know, everything God created has a rhythm. You guys ever think of that? There's day and there's night, right? The ocean's tide, they come in and they come out. Like our heart, it beats, it's a rhythm. Our breath, we breathe in, we breathe out. Like everything God created has a rhythm. Why would our spiritual life be any different? What is the rhythm for us so that we can have a healthy spiritual life? We need some kind of rhythm. And I think this is something we could learn from the Christian tradition that we probably forgot about because our culture, we're crazy. We love to work so much. We love to run around. We feel like that's so important when we do that. But in our Christian traditions, what I could learn from and what I've been learning is from the monasteries. You guys know the monks in the monasteries, when the bell rings at nine o'clock, they just stop everything and they pray. Boom, stop, and then pray. And then 12 o'clock, boom, again, they stop everything and they stop and pray. Six o'clock, boom, they stop and they pray again. They knew what it meant to have a rhythm because they knew when the bell rang, it's not like God is taking them away. They're just giving their time back to God. It all belongs to God. Just giving it back to God. And they knew that this practice helped them engaged in their work. By stopping and listening, they were able to realize what to do next. Instead of just acting as if Jesus was an afterthought, they were listening to hear what God was saying and then knew what to do next. This is how it is. We need to learn to listen so that when we're doing the things, we're still able to listen. It's a way of being. Okay, the, the, the monasteries, they call this in Latin, ora and labora, right? Just prayer and action, prayer and action. Prayers to stop and listen so that when we're working, we could actually practice his presence. It's gonna be so familiar to us, whatever we are doing. Do everything with Jesus by your side. Okay, that's what it means to be a disciple. I love last week, right? I think Pastor Glenn uh, shared with us that wherever you go, whether you're home, where, whether you're on the road, take God's word with you wherever you go. Every moment becomes a teaching moment. How do we know what to say in that moment, right? It's when we habituate ourselves with, the, with God's presence, every moment can be a teaching moment because the words of God will just come naturally. It's so simple and easy. We could bring Jesus with us wherever we go. We could learn to be mindful of his presence. So find a rhythm 
that works for you and make it enjoyable for you, okay? It's not something like, ah, I got to do more of this, but enjoyable because that's what it is to be with Jesus, find a rhythm that makes it enjoyable for you. So I'll give you some picture, maybe like I'll share some of the things that I'm learning to do and by no means I'm perfect, okay? There are times I do this well and times I don't and that's okay, we're human. But I think we all, we don't actually live in monasteries, right? So you have flexibility to do it the way that makes sense for you, right? So in the morning, I wake up with silence, okay? I think that's an important thing to learn, just to be silent with God, because it's not me talking to God, me spewing this or that, but me humbling myself and says, just tell me, tell me how you see me. I soak in his love. I, I need to be reminded that he loves me, and that's good. I just sit there in silence, letting God love me, letting him love me. I engage with scripture. Sometimes it's chapters, sometimes it's just one verse, and that's okay. Don't make it a big deal. Just engage with scripture because that's how God often speaks to us. And that piece of scripture I could take for the rest of the day. I just remember it, even if it's just one verse, just to hold it on with me wherever I go. Noontime, I call this my intercession time. I call up somebody and it's a 15 minute commitment and all it is is we're just gonna pray for people around us. 15 minutes at lunchtime and that's it. We end right away so that we could do, go and do other things, right? So it's not a big deal just to call somebody up and pray for people that we know. Afternoon, I, I do what is called a gratitude walk. I just take a walk, a stroll, take a break, you know, go out and walk around. And I just start thanking God for everything, anything that comes up. Just thank him and thank him and thank him. Walk around, just thank him for the weather, thank him for relationships, thank him for whatever, like my mind could call it. It's just an attitude of building thanksgiving into my heart. And at evening time, I do a reflection time, run through my day and talk to God about it. You know, where did I notice he was close to me? Where did I notice that I was far from him? Okay, but in all of these, identify the ways that you could hear God's word. And I thank you for the sharing with Abide earlier. You know, learning to hear God's word. There's different ways to do that. We're all kind of unique and different in our own ways, but you have to find a way that you notice how God speaks to you. This is developed over time, but keep practicing it. It's probably through reading the Bible. Maybe you like listening to worship songs. Maybe other people are the way God speaks to you, people around you. Maybe just listening to sermons while you're driving. Maybe it's actually memorizing Bible verses. These are just different ways that God can speak to you, but you have to know how it works for you, okay? You can change and adapt over time. Develop a rhythm that works and it's enjoyable for you. Okay, to conclude, to end off today, what is the spiritual life? The spiritual life is inviting Jesus into every situation that you are in. This is hospitality. You want to invite Jesus, whether you're at work or home, whether you're by yourself, you want to invite Jesus into that situation. It is opening the door for him to be with you. But we could only do this when we cultivate this rhythm of prayer and action. And when we are able to cultivate this, it is the heart of worship. That's what it is. And I believe this is what churches 
will need to be for the future. This is what God has put in my heart. Because I think right now, if we look around, we can see the quality of Christianity that exists, right? And not a criticism to, to you guys. This is just a general statement for most churches, most Christians. If we're honest, we could say, we, we know that a lot of the things we do and say is quite shallow, right? It's not coming from a place of deep truth and honesty. We just say things sometimes. Our Christianity is shallow. And also our Christianity is insular, meaning that it doesn't affect real life. It's kind of like we're in a bubble and we're just kind of doing our own thing. And I think the church will need to change for the future. If we can see all of life as living inside a monastery with Jesus, all of life, the whole earth is his temple. He wants to be welcome into every situation. If we could see that, we would be Christians that are engaged with the world, but not in a superficial way, but engaged in the world with love, with purpose, and with Jesus, empowering us through love to do and serve the people around us, we can change and glorify Jesus, and the whole earth would be the place that he can dwell among us. So cultivate, learn to cultivate this rhythm, prayer and action, cultivate this heart of worship for Jesus.